Welcome to Daring Daring 2, a podcast that finds out how CEOs and entrepreneurs navigate today's business world, the conventions they're breaking, the challenges they've faced, and the decisions that they've made, and lastly, just what makes them different. Well, welcome today. On my podcast is Evan Goldberg. If you haven't heard of Evan, um, well, you may be one of very few people because Evan started what is probably the first cloud computing company to exist today. Today, we think of cloud companies as though they've always been around, but they haven't. Evan started his career um, with Oracle Corporation, and most people will know who Oracle are. A Harvard graduate who joined Oracle when there were only 900 people. I can't imagine what that was like, Evan. Only 900 people in the company today that's got, I don't know, millions of employees. How did that feel when you first joined them? Well, um, you know, the, the journey has been the reward, <laughs> actually. Um, and, you know, we went, started as a very small company, grew up to be a public company, um, and then transitioned part, to be part of a, of, of a very large company. So kind of the, you know, a full arc of what might happen to a, to a business. But, uh, you know, it's, we, we feel like our organization is as vibrant, um, as it was, you know, 21 years ago. And that's sort of my day to day responsibilities is maintaining that vibrancy so that in another 20 years, you know, we, uh, we can look back and, 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 and have accomplished great things. And you talk a lot about today, tomorrow and beyond, about existing beyond just as an organization for today, but also thinking about tomorrow and much, much more about the future. And we're going to come on to that because as the EVP and the the founder of NetSuite, I mean, you carry a big weight of responsibility, particularly as as you were acquired only three years ago, having built that company from from scratch. And I do want to touch on that a little bit. Did you as a young kid think, I'm going to own a company and run a company and create this fantastic opportunity for businesses of all sizes to be able to leverage something that's really important to enable them to sustain their business future. Did you, did you like wake up in the morning as a young kid dreaming that? Uh, I can't say that I was that prescient, but um, when I was young, I, you know, the main thing that attracted me uh, to technology was programming and the ability to sort of create something out of nothing um, really in the, you know, in the virtual world. <laughs> and so, um, I guess, you know, and when I started programming when I was young and we were still doing it on mini computers as they were called back then. And, and, uh, you know, you typed on this teletype and printed it out and on, on rolled paper. <laughs> and, uh, but the one thing that was common, you know, that I think is a current that's run through my, entire career is that what I got very excited about is building things that people would find useful and that would help them in their day-to-day, in their day-to-day tasks. And since most of you, you know, most of one's waking hours or a good portion of it, at least during the week is, is working. And, 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 uh, I, that, I guess I was, I was sort of attracted to, I guess you might call it the sort of the B2B world, um, as I developed my skills as a programmer. And so I guess that's the, you know, that's, that's the current that runs through it is, 
making people's jobs easier on a day-to-day basis. And I've read some of the articles that you have been published in and, and where you've shared sort of your passion and where it comes from. And you often talk about being that person that, you know, that, that you're, you light up. I'm, it's, I'm sorry that you're not here to see your face, but that you light up when you're able to provide a solution to somebody. And it was something that you discovered very early on, even when you were in, in education, that you were able to provide a solution to individuals that helped solve a problem. And you, you had that kind of aha moment that this is something to do. But there are many budding entrepreneurs out there today that must be looking in, in, in excitement at hearing from you to hear, like, how did you do it? I mean, how did you get that courage to say, I'm walking, Oracle. I love you dearly, but I'm walking. I've got this idea that I want to create something um, special. And I realize that there's a need for it. And I can see something that maybe you're not seeing or have the time to do right now and go off and do that. I, I understand that your first um, office was above the hairdresser's shop. I only wish it would have been above the hairdressers that I would go to, but it wasn't. <laughs> but so how, tell, talk about that because it takes courage. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I moved out um, from the East Coast of the U.S. Um, out here to California right after college. And so that was sort of my, I guess, my first entrepreneurial move. Um, you know, didn't know anybody out here and, um, and built a, you know, built a life. Um, you know, both a business life and a personal life out here. I was very, very attracted to the Silicon Valley. And, you know, I grew up, you know, where some of the more uh, origin companies of the computer revolution were digital equipment corporation, companies like that, that were in the Boston area. But I could see that the next generation of companies was in California. And I was especially attracted to Apple. Um, I loved Apple computers. It was the first computer I ever had and the Mac. Um, I got that right when it came out and, 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 um, worked on it in college. And, um, so I was really excited about Apple. Um, but I actually got steered in another direction. Um, my sister was, uh, ran a mutual fund. She was an investor and, um, her fund was invested in Oracle. Um, and she had personally met Larry and she said, if you're going to go out there, um, you need to, you need to meet this guy, Larry Ellison, and you should go work for Oracle. And I had no idea what it was. I didn't know um, what relational databases were. Um, but I, I met Larry, and we, we hit it off. And I'd say certainly, you know, a lot of the courage and impetus to start my own thing comes from my relationship with him. And, and he was an amazing mentor. And I saw what he was able to do and, and loved the idea of um, building a, not just um, – a product, but a culture, and saw the best way to do that to build a unique product and a unique culture, and, and going off and doing something myself. And I, so that actually, NetSuite wasn't the first company I did. So I had an initial right. stab at it. Um, that you know, as an important played a really really important role, not just because that company was my sort of <clears throat> mandatory uh, Silicon Valley failure, um, but it also provided. Um, motivation to create a, a company that would help startups succeed. I love the way you, you you um, call it the mandatory Silicon Valley failure because, you know, oftentimes people look at successful CEOs and startup individuals like yourself and think, oh, like they just 
it just worked for them. It just happened. But in reality, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of disappointments before that moment crystallizes into success. So share some of that with our listeners, because I think that's really important because from failure comes learnings. And it, and it sounds like you got some real gems from that initial yeah, and, investment. And so, not, you know, I mean, it's, I jumped out of being, you know, working at Oracle to being responsible for payroll and for real people's, you know, salaries. And um, that's an enormous responsibility. And when that doesn't work out and you have to lay off people or, um, you know, and, they, and, and you ultimately maybe have to close your doors, it's, it is incredibly painful. You feel an enormous burden of responsibility. And I, I don't, didn't take that like, lightly. Um, and, and I, you know, certainly it provides you motivation for not having that happen again. And I was fortunate enough that at NetSuite, it's only been sort of the rocket ride up, <laughs> not the, uh, uh, descent back down. And, um, but I think that it would be, you know, besides providing that motivation, <clears throat> the experience of being a CEO and being responsible for business and growing the business, um, and learning the sort of dearth of tools that were available to help you. That was the primary motivation of creating NetSuite. I mean, it was abundantly clear that there was not great technology to help small businesses understand what was going on, see the trends, get control of, you know, your kind of increasingly sprawling, what used to be small business, but now looks like a giant business when it has 50 people. Um, you know, that, that lack, um, was so abundantly clear. I knew I had to create, had to create something like that sweet. And, 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 you know, it's been a success, but let's, let's talk about that, this whole concept of technology and cloud and everything that goes with it from artificial intelligence to machine learning to robot, robotics to intelligent automated processes. They blow people's minds, CEOs kind of talk about it, but if we're honest, most CEOs are yearning to learn what it actually means in practice. Boards of big companies and small companies are tearing their hair out, trying to capture this leverage that they've got right now, which they don't seem to have. So you have seen, you're kind of a visionary in a way, because you saw the opportunity that what businesses needed was the ability to connect things together, to be able to really be able to provide value was to have this ability to look right across your organization to understand what was going on. Did you realize that you were a visionary at that time? And how can you help? I guess my second question for that is, how do we help businesses really understand the power of technology in a good way? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I think it's, it starts with simplicity and, um, Understanding that anything that you're going to provide to a very, very busy entrepreneur has to be simple in some sense, or minimalist, I guess you might say. And so the, the vision that I had from the very, very beginning, and you know, the web was still pretty young in 1998. Um, the vision I had was a dashboard, like in your browser, um, that had everything about your business and you could then drill down. So it would show you your sales, it would show you your expenses, it would show you your employees information or, you know, how, how your, uh, um, employee count was growing, you know, these kind of key metrics right there in front of you in real time. So I, I guess if you want to say a visionary is someone that has a vision, I had an actual sort of visual image, um, of what I wanted 
<clears throat> out of NetSuite. And the interesting thing is that we first had to build the components of the business system. We had to build accounting. We had to build CRM. We had to build a web store for people that wanted to sell online. Once we had those, we were able to actually create that dashboard um, on your in your browser. There weren't phones yet um, that could that could view those. And it was at that point, actually, that, you know, and, and Larry, I give him a huge amount of credit. We started the company together. I had this vision of, of software to help businesses mm-hmm. succeed. He had the vision of it was going to run on the web. And he was absolutely con- convinced that the future model of computing was going to be that you run these applications on the Internet. And um, he, he joked that, like, that's how it's going to be for the next thousand years. I don't know what it's going to be after that. Um, and so, you know, that, that was, it was kind of the merging of those two visions. Um, so I was thinking of, you know, one place you could go that had all the information across your business. And he was thinking this would be delivered over the web. So really that's what the, the, con- the conjoining of those two ideas was net suite. Um, and it's really in the name. And yeah, and so when that, when it. that, when we announced the, what we called the executive dashboard, which was that one page that you could go to in your browser that had everything about your business. That Larry got re-engaged and he actually became the product manager of that part of the product for several months, calling me because he, he, he said, okay, now I want to log into your instance, to your account, so I can see what's going on in NetSuite. In particular, I want to look at this dashboard. And he would log in and then he'd call me and say, oh, you need um, to add a line graph that shows your sales by day compared to previous quarters. Things like that. And we, you know, we dutifully add it in and push it out to production. It was easier to get, um, our, the product of our endeavors to our customers very quickly. And, and I'd call them and I'd say, yep, okay, take a look, see if you like it. So that was actually a really exciting. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Was that, was that, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, um, was that hard to have somebody that was your mentor, you know, who was really passionate about what you were doing, but also, kind of getting right into it as well like did you at any point yeah. feel like larry i love you dearly but can you just back off for a little while and just let me play <laughs> no. with it you know i relished it he's he's um incredibly smart and obviously had been thinking about running a business for far longer than i had so um it was to me it was it, it allowed us to move really really fast and getting that part of our product which is really still the central kind of um, the heart of NetSuite. When you log into NetSuite as an executive or as a manager or even as a salesperson, the first thing you see is that dashboard with everything you need to know and everything you need to do. Um, so it was absolutely great that, you know, the company and the company that we started together that we were able to collaborate on, on the, on the meat of that, um, sort of central, uh, capability. So I want to talk a little bit about you yourself and taking the company over those years up until 2016 where you became you came back into the fold of, of Oracle because you're quite an interesting individual having read about you, um, particularly around your focus on culture and the things that are important. And that's often rare to have CEOs actively talk about it but then show some visible proof that it actually exists in reality as well, that it's not just a set of words. You have been very, very 
um, passionate and have shown that commission, uh, commitment in the social impact space as, as one, which, uh, you know, I hold dear to my heart as well, because I'm a great believer that profit with purpose is good for the world. And we are now faced in a world today and we are seeing CEOs stand up and say, hey, we are more than just about making profit. We are about purpose and here's what we're doing. But, you know, many people will be sitting back and going, yeah, you know, it's the same old, same old. They realize they've got to like say the words, but, but you're different. You've actually done some really important things in being able to offer that technology that you have to nonprofits in a way that's helping those, those organizations to be really successful. What was it in you? Like, what is it in you that drove you to want to do that? Right at the very early stages, I'm intrigued. Tell, share more. Yeah. Um, you know, and culture primarily grows organically. Um, it's driven from the top, but not to, not really from pronouncements. I mean, I think things like values are, are really useful. Um, but they, they don't really create the culture. They, they more just report on the culture. <laughs> and yeah. The culture comes from the people and who you bring into the organization and how you act as a leader. Um, to, um, you know, set an example. And, you know, I've always had, you know, sort of balance in my life between, um, you know, the, the professional, the business and the sort of philanthropic and uh, the, and sorry, and the personal and the philanthropic and um, especially in, you know, where phil- philanthropy and business overlap, I was able to take some of that um, and bring it into the workplace. And so, for example, our social impact program began because my wife was um, president of the local PTA. They had a terrible system. They used two copies of QuickBooks, um, one for donations and one for expenses. I mean, it was ridiculous. Okay, I'm tearing and my hair like, right now. I'm like, I'm like, ah, like, yes, I can feel yeah, their pain. So <laughs> I said, why don't we put um, NetSuite in there? And um, we did, and it worked out great. I mean, volunteers were able to actually work at home, et cetera. Um, and, and so once I saw that, that, I said, oh, my God, there must be thousands of organizations that could benefit from a system like NetSuite and sort of do good better. And so it really, you know, bringing – that's – I think the culture comes from who you bring into the organization and what they bring from outside um, into the workplace. And so th- that's um, – I think well, how we've grown up as part of Nets as NetSuite um, to have this culture that really embraces social impact. Um, it's often described as like a family here. And when we come into a bigger company like Oracle, well, one of the most important things initially, and Oracle is really smart about this, is to just do no harm. And so we were That's kept great. sort of sequestered and allowed to um, continue to do what we were doing really well. And then start to pull in some of the benefits that come from from the bigger company. And I think um, what's really exciting about being being part of Oracle is that Oracle's undergoing a transformation. I think in the same way about thinking about the continuum of what employees do um, and making sure that they are really engaged. Um, and that involves a lot of different things, but the social impact of what. Organization, you know, what the organization does is, is an important part of it. And so that's been, um, really exciting to be part of that sort of evolution that's happening in a very, very large company. You know, that's a, it's like turning the Queen Mary, but, um, it's very in sync with what we've, you know, as a smaller part 
have been focused on all along, which is a culture which is very employee-centric in addition to being very customer-centric. So I do a lot of work with organizations of all sizes around culture and, and to convince organizations that culture is important is often really hard because they're like, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, we, we've got it. But, you know, talk to us about like what's going to make our business more sustainable. And I like, I look them in the eye and I go, that's it. It's, it's, it's how you bring together the essence of what makes people want to be there. And you, you talk about some things around letting people um, come up with ideas to have the opportunity to create, like don't get in the way of helping people to create ideas let them have the autonomy that they need to be able to do that because people will create great ideas in a world today where we know technology is advancing at a faster rate than it has ever done before where it is enabling us to do things that we have never been able to to do before where products like NetSuite are enabling companies to to kind of bring together some synergies and identify trends and analytics, inform companies around what they can do to innovate and move forward. It comes with some price, which could be an opportunity um, or, you know, an, a, a potential risk for organizations. How can we help businesses and employees see the future of the world and technology as something that comes together for good? I do believe that it is. And you talk about what we're seeing today around cloud technology and technology in general is not just being a technology shift, which to me is like music to my ears. Um, you talk about it being a generational shift, that this is a shift in how businesses will, will continue to operate in the future. How do we leverage the best out of that? Big question, I know. Like, but yeah. like, what's you your know, thought? And, and NetSuite, you know, NetSuite is fundamentally a B2B company. We're selling to businesses and we're, um, we're somewhat um, insulated from uh, some of the more controversial privacy issues that come from the large, you know, um, tech companies that serve consumers, um, and so that's 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 something that we we just are happy about because there's a there's a lot of consternation right now. But businesses really just co- sort of drink up what we give them. <laughs> they are not um, conflicted. Um, and we can bring a, the AI technology that we bring in um, is not about, you know, facial recognition. <laughs> um, the AI technology for us is things like identifying um, orders that uh, may not ship on time <laughs> for customers that deliver products because of the history um, and because of other things that are going on out in the world. And uh, or looking at projects. If you're a company that's a project-based business, like an ad agency, um, or you know, or, or a consulting company, projects that look like they're at risk of going over budget because of you know trends that we've seen. So the AI that we use, uh, I think, is really relatively benign and 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 um, you know agreed upon by. Um, the people that are, uh, the data, the people that own the data that we're looking at, which is their data, um, that it's to their, to their benefit. And it's, it's, of course, all of this is, uh, opt in. Um, but, and we're just starting to scratch the surface. I mean, we're trying to solve, you know, the types of things that AI does that I think are generally uncon- uncontroversial, um, are suggestions it gives you on the, on the phone. Um, hopefully, you know, based on relatively simple Things that only, you know, that, that, 
the phone knows about, so to speak. I hate to anthropomorphize the phone, but like, well, it's going to take you longer to get to work into work today because there's traffic. Yep. People like that. Um, that's a relatively benign use of AI. Um, there might be something more sinister behind it, but uh, we, we believe that those kinds of suggestions for businesses, how you can get someplace a little bit faster or where there might be obstacles um, to achieving your goals um, and where we're going to be right a lot of the time. I mean, one of the things that's great about those suggestions is when they suggest that you, there's traffic on the way to work, well, usually at this time of the day, you are going to work. Mm-hmm. And, and sure enough, their traffic predictions are usually pretty good. So um, that's what we want to do is relatively simple assistance. It's really intelligent assistance that we can give, and we're confident that those suggestions will be correct most of the time. And we're just at the very, very early stages of that, but um, that's very, very exciting to me as an entrepreneur um, and, and for, you know, to help, um, other entrepreneurs. And I'm going to, uh, there's two things that I want to sort of pick up on there. One is that, you know, yes, you talk about next week being a B2B offering, but actually you talk about six things that I, when I, um, sort of sat back and reflected on them, I went, wow, these are the kinds of words that I use and many people use to help large corporations think about how do they navigate the world of uncertainty today. You talk about the need for simplicity. We've already talked about that in a world where time is of essence. People are time poor. Nobody wants complexity anymore. There's enough complexity everywhere else. They kind of want things that are simple. And you, and you mentioned that you talk about agility. That has to be important today, not just for B2B businesses, but businesses at large and Nonprofits, you know, organizations that are trying to do um, good better. You talk about productivity. We've seen productivity uh, levels decline in companies today over the last several years because there's only so much they can do around efficiency. So they have to look at different ways to innovate and change. And you talk about the need, like control. You know, how do you get, how do you keep control? But let go of control is the way I kind of frame it. I may not have framed it in the way that you would, but I'd be interested to hear that. And the power of visibility. So they are quite very clear and succinct points that I think are really valuable to businesses. Would you say that those elements have been true as you thought about your business since its beginning? And do they hold true for what you do going forward? Or, or are they more advice points that you try to think about from your customers' perspectives? What would you say? Well, um, you know, there's, there's two driving factors that lead us to do um, what we do. It's our, you know, it comes from our experience, our pers- you know, our personal individual experiences in business, my experiences as an entrepreneur. Um, I grew NetSuite. NetSuite had a growth journey that's not unlike many of our customers. I learned a lot in that growth journey. And I, I try to bring that, um, those learnings into what we offer to businesses. And then, you know, uh, true empathy can only come from actually really doing your best to walk in, in other people's shoes. Um, we spend an enormous amount of time with our customers. We send our product engineers out on what we call field trips mm-hmm. um, to go visit customers that are using NetSuite and see their business in action and how NetSuite plays a role, you know, seeing it on the sort of on the ground. Um, and all of, you know, and, and so the, you know, the creativity that comes in, in building the, you know, sort of the next generation of business tools is informed by, you know, sort of those two elements. And my experience um, in building NetSuite and what we hear from a lot of our 
from our customers when we go out and visit them is that the two most critical elements, there really are three, I guess they're really three critical elements. It starts with visibility because that's what they lose as their business grows. Um, they used to see everything. They, you know, like you talked about NetSuite being above Air Salon. When we were above Air Salon, everybody was right there next to me. I knew everything that was happening. I knew every, you know, salesperson that was selling and every support person that was giving customer support. You lose that control, that, that visibility as you get, as you get larger. And so that's the first thing that they want is to get back some of that visibility that they lost as they grew. Um, the next thing is control. There's less control as you grow and, and you don't know everybody and you don't talk to everybody. But then you mentioned agility and that would be the third, you know, th- super critical component and one that we've especially focused on on NetSuite because we know that these organizations that we serve are changing very rapidly and whatever we provide as a solution on day one, you know, may not be exactly the right solution a year later, two years later, three years later. So we've built in NetSuite a great deal of flexibility. And as you transform your business, the NetSuite service can transform with you. So those, those are kind of, that's how we have thought about it in the past few years. It's not dissimilar to how we thought about it initially, but I think it's, it's evolved based on our experience building NetSuite and our experience, um, you know, spending time with our customers. Let's talk about your customers because you used the word that um, I have, I confess I don't think I can think of one CEO that I've heard use the word. I'm sure that they have. I just haven't heard it. I've heard lots of buzzwords around we're becoming customer-centric or we're becoming more personalized. But you use the word empathy. Like we are, you know, we are empathetic with our customers. That's really what drives us. What does that really look like? I'm intrigued. Again, I'm intrigued. I'm fascinated because it's a term that I go, oh, like it's, it's already like making me feel warm about what you guys are offering and it's, and it's unique and it's different. So what does that look like for people that work at NetSuite? Well, I mean, I would say in one's work life, empathy is probably the most important skill um, and practice. Um, because I, I don't think it's not, it's just, it's not just with your customers, but it's obviously with your coworkers. And, um, so we, you know, it's, it's, it, we've tried to build it into the fabric of NetSuite, um, both in our internal operations as well as how we, um, relate to, um, our external, you know, customers and partners. You know, it, 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 um, displays itself in many different ways in our, in our product organization as we develop products, we, we use personas. So we try to um, develop a picture of what the typical user of this part of the service is like, and it, go, it, it, it goes beyond just how they use NetSuite, but what their job duties are, what their frustrations are, what they, what they view as uh, challenges, what they view as opportunities. Um, and, and then from those personas, um, there are user stories, um, which track um, you know, how, you know, what, how users operate on the day to day and how they want to operate. So that's empathy in a sort of product development setting. In a, a customer service setting, um, the best customer service is, I think, delivered by people that can empathize with, you know, a frustrated caller that's having a problem. Um, in sales, um, listening is the number one skill. And empathizing with the pain points that brought a prospect um, to your door, and and the opportunities that you know um, uh, that they you know uh, that they feel on a day to day basis that they want to take advantage of, 
um, I think is the critical success factor there. So across our organization, both internally and externally, we've tried to build empathy into the fabric of how we operate. I think I need to be one of your personas because I think I'm like right at that extreme end. Like we'll, we'll like be that customer that has all of those moments that you really don't want to see. So like if you ever need anyone to be a prototype, please do give me a call because I will, I'm sure I will have ticked every box that you would think is your worst nightmare. I, I did once offer to go to uh, Microsoft's offices, um, in Silicon Valley um, to sit with their customer service team a long, long time ago um, because I had just this desire for them to understand what it feels like to be a customer on the other end, not because they didn't want to help, but um, I offered my services for free, right? like, um, and they promised they would bring me back, and they never did. I wonder why, but there you go. Um, but I did, it is a really um, important point. So now I'm going to get on to some, maybe some stuff. Like I do like to kind of push the edges a little bit. So – here you are, create, you know, a disciple of Oracle. You go out into the big wide world. You do it. You make it. Like you create something that you can sit back and the people that are in part of that organization are really proud of you. Isn't there a risk to having gone back to Oracle that people are sitting there going like, why did he do that? Like why did he go back to and take like his baby and put it in a bigger organization? How do you respond to a question like that? Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things about being part of, you know, we, we, we were, Larry was who I started it with. Larry's who I work very closely with it on now. So there's been a lot of continuity that you might not have in other circumstances like this. We've had great continuity with our organization. As I said, Oracle did this right and they had a first do no harm sort of approach and um, as a result, um, we've been able to preserve our culture and we've been able to actually refocus in a lot of ways. And I think people that talk to me see the excitement that I have right now in that we're more targeted towards these very fast growing entrepreneurial organizations um, even than we were than when we were independent. And um, that's a big motivator for me to be able to have a clear target for what you're doing. And then to be able to, you know, to take a team, and most of our team is is still at NetSuite. That been, you know, if you look at the people that work for me, they've been at NetSuite for 10, 15, even 20 years. Um, to take that team and refocus them on on a, on a clear target, um, and with a clear value proposition, um, that's exciting. So I think we've been able to maintain the excitement that we had before. And then we're able to leverage uh, the reach and the technology that Oracle provides us. We're moving into the Oracle uh, cloud infrastructure data centers. That's where we're going to run NetSuite out of in the future. And that's very advanced technology, and it's really exciting. We're going to use Oracle's autonomous database, which is an incredible use of AI, to make databases how they really should be, which is you just ask it a question and it gives you an answer. You don't worry about all the details of implementing a database. So being part of that, um, being able to uh, reach out internationally, and Oracle has incredible reach there. Um, that's been extremely exciting for us going into countries that we you know, wouldn't have reached for years and years as an independent company. So I think um, there's always pluses and minuses to any transition. Um, and I've just you know, focused on accentuating the positive. And I would say that, that you know, for other sort of entrepreneurs that are out there, Actually, you could argue that you were very bold 
and and actually demonstrate a skill which I think many CEOs need today, which is the ability to be able to reflect um, and and not get so absorbed in what they have created that to lose sight about what the overall purpose or vision of their original idea or concept was. And and by actually being part coming back into the fold of Oracle, um, you know, that's not an easy decision to make because ultimately you created something, but you it sounds like you reflected back and said like, how can I continue that vision and how can I make it bolder, better and and have a greater reach? That's not easy for entrepreneurs to give up, right? Because it's it's there. So that advice of that process that you went through, the 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 weighing up, the maybe the struggle is a bold move and a reflective move. Do you think that many entrepreneurs should be thinking about more of that reflectiveness um, as they grow? Is that something that you've grown and developed over the years, or do you think that's something that's always been part of? Well, I, you know, I wouldn't presume to to give advice to to other entrepreneurs. Oh, go on, go on, please do. <laughs> are in different, you know, in different situations. We had a sure. somewhat unique situation, and I think in a lot of cases it isn't like that. But success, for you know, a successful acquisition should typically keep the best people, um, and so I would hope that. Um, organizations that are looking at requiring entrepreneurial startups are really thinking about how to provide a situation where that person can still be entrepreneurial, where there's still good upside for them. Um, and, um, you know, it doesn't mean forever. Um, and and you know, entrepreneurs are do have a tendency to come up with great ideas. And maybe that great idea can be accomplished at a, at a new at a new organization or a larger organization. And maybe it can't. Um, in my circumstance, I kind of feel like, um, we had a very, very big idea that we're not done with it and the, and that it, it could still consumes most of my creativity. Um, and that's, I'm lucky in that sense that the, the job is sort of never done in making organizations, um, have better visibility, have better control, have better agility, um, so that they can grow faster and um, achieve their, you know, their their vision. Um, that's a job that's sort of never done, and we have a great platform for that. And if you're in that situation, I do think it's worth looking at um, whether it makes sense to walk away. I mean, for me, NetSuite is sort of my baby, and so... Um, it's a growing baby, though. It's growing it, very healthily. It uh, it's, it's, hard. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to abandon that, and I think maybe there are entrepreneurs that do that um, too quickly, but I certainly I am very very sympathetic to the fact that the situations of acquisitions is not always um, same, and 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 ours was somewhat unique. Let's go back a little bit to culture then, because you talk you you talk about you know you know it's something that you feel passionate about. It's something that I truly believe is the cornerstone to success for companies today, and was previously and will continue to be in a world where. We can no longer rely on certainty because of the pace of change and everything else that's going on. So, uh, you, you mentioned that culture for you involves a number of things around, you know, communicating with people like you talked about your, your team going out to customer sites so that they can actually see how their work, um, is having an impact. You talk about, um, 
the importance of diversity. So obviously, as a woman who's been at a exec levels in senior organisations and who is passionate about um, diversity, not just about women, but in its broadest sense, what does that mean to you from a culture perspective? And as a senior exec in today's business world, how do you get your voice having a greater reach around some of these things that are important around purpose, making sure people feel like they are engaged and contributing the best that they can at work and valuing diversity in its most broadest sense. I do feel senior leaders have a much bigger role to play beyond their own organizations today. What's your perspective on that? Yeah. So, um, you know, we talked earlier about, um, you know, elements of creativity and, 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 and reaching, um, you know, a variety of different types of business, businesses. And, and we do have enormous <clears throat> reach, especially as part of Oracle. And the only way we're going to succeed is with a diversity of backgrounds and a diversity of experiences, life experiences, business experiences. Um, and so it's incredibly important for our business that we have a diverse, workforce. Um, and it's, it's, it's work to do that. It requires continuous. It's not something that you can do in one initiative. It requires continuous focus, um, not just on expanding your recruiting reach so you can reach non-traditional candidates, um, <clears throat> making sure that everybody's trained in things like unconscious bias um, so that we're very welcoming for people of diverse backgrounds. But then really, really important is mentoring um, people from non-traditional backgrounds as well as, of course, women um, that come into organizations that may have been um, majority uh, male. Um, and so, or, you know, Oracle has some great resources for that, um, <clears throat> for networking and for mentoring for women and, uh, and, and other, you know, traditionally uh, underrepresented groups. Um, and again, it requires something continuous. It doesn't happen immediately, but if you bring a diversity of people, you know, qualified, motivated, energetic people of all backgrounds into an organization, um, you make sure that the organization is welcoming to them and you make sure that you're mentoring them, um, so that they, you know, can overcome, you know, roadblocks. That's how you ultimately develop a diverse, um, leadership team. Um, and that's the best situation, obviously, because then you're truly leading by, um, leading by example. So, but that's a, that's a, that's a long process that requires a lot of attention and energy. So that's what I try to motivate our teams to do, you know, over and over and over again. And, and success is, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day as, a, as the cliche goes. It does. And, um, we want to see continuous improvement in diversity and inclusion and that's not that's the right thing to do but it's also going to massively strengthen the business and given that technology is growing so vastly and we know the skills that are so much needed today and tomorrow and in the future how do we help the young generation see technology as a career that offers so many great opportunities. I was blown away by a statistic that you had quoted around the lost um, value of not having young 
girls interested in necessary in technology or having the opportunity um, to be in employment. It's something like 13 to $15 trillion. I mean, that just like, I, I, speechless, as I am right now, speechless, right? That's really hard for me, by the way, to be speechless. But, you know, there, there, of course, there's loads of initiatives, but it's a massive skill gap that we've got globally right now when we know what the horizon brings. So how can we do more to really give opportunities around the world to education around technology? Right. And, of course, you know, some of this is outside the purview of any one particular business, but certainly as an organization, we try to do our part there, supporting organizations um, to help with girls' education. I mean, as we said, we have a very substantial social impact program at NetSuite where we actually give away the service and we give away pro bono um, work of employees to help implement NetSuite um, at organizations that are doing things like uh, getting involved in girls' education around the world. So that's one way that, you know, we as a company individually can help. Um, and Oracle has some amazing initiatives in that regard also. Um, I think that, you know, that's just one component of what needs to happen. I, I One of the things that I'm most excited about that isn't directly um, uh, connected to what, you know, my day job um, is the advent of online education and the ability for people around the world to close some of that skills gap, people of all backgrounds, um, to close that skills gap. So that's another area that I think, you know, countries and, and organizations can promote um, to help. And, there's, you know, obviously there's, there's massive, massive work that needs to be done. So, it's, you know, they often say, um, think global, act local. Um, and so, we, you know, we try to do our part in NetSuite um, to make sure that, you know, we have diversity. And then, and then those women and people of traditionally underrepresented groups that are successful at NetSuite, we give them, you know, opportunities to encourage them to go out into the community. Um, and they can be mentors. Um, for the next generation. So, you know, if there's individual action, there's obviously large collective action and, and all those things together, you know, when you have a person like Michelle Obama behind it, um, you know, there should be, you know, very, very serious progress over the, over the coming years. Well, a whole topic on education is something we could spend a lot of time on. It's another area of uh, passion and interest of mine, and we should maybe think about that because I think there's a whole revolution around education that can be so valuable and where technology can play a role. And yeah, um, execs, and, and, you know, I mean, it's to, massive. Just to add on to that, um, there's things that you do in, as part of your business. There's things that we need to do as individuals. Yeah. So my wife and I have supported uh, the computer science program at um, – the school that my daughter went to for middle school and high school. She's in college now. But early on, um, it was clear that um, the, the school, it was all girls, all girls school, didn't have as sophisticated a computer science program as it really needed. And that was clear to me. And we got together with the um, administration of the school and, and figured out how we could bring in um, a, you know, a specialist and uh, that we could not only improve the computer science education for girls at this school, but also be, uh, you know, sort of a thought leader for girls' schools, but also for all types of schools. And, my, you know, when I looked at where that school was in terms of its computer science curriculum, I'm like, well, geez, if this school, you know, a Silicon Valley, you know, highly um, funded school filled with, um, you know, the uh, – 
senior people in, in Silicon Valley, their children. Yeah. Um, if this school can't figure it out, how is a school um, in Oakland going to figure out how to teach computer science to their kids? And, and what was really gratifying about that effort is that um, the woman that we brought in as a computer science leader um, ended up sharing her successes with schools all over California and became a member of a um, of a sort of consortium of, of these uh, of these teachers thinking about how the learning could be utilized across the state of California. So that was really really um, exciting. And so, I you have know, I a warm glow across my face. That individuals can do. I have a warm glow across my face because actually you have put in a nutshell that it's not necessarily massive big things that are going to make a difference it's everybody doing maybe some small things that are going to really make a difference and and I honestly believe like we should schedule some time to talk about education because it is a massive topic and there is so much opportunity and there is a hunger to to apply some of the innovation and thinking that entrepreneurs like yourself and other leaders um, can bring to what is essentially you know, our future. So a big believer in young people and them carrying the future um, forward in a way that will make this world the world that it can be and should be for everyone. So I've got to ask you like two questions. One is, you've got to tell me about Zen Knitting. Come on. Like, I have not heard of an organization that really believes in bringing people together and making it, you know, spending time at work and offering people things that bring them together. And I'm, I just want to know, what is Zen Knitting? Because I mean, I want to be part of that. Uh, well, I haven't actually taken that class. Okay. Anybody from next week, they need to like get you know, him on it. We, <laughs> we talked about culture. Um, and I think that um, bringing people together um, for, you know, learning things outside their direct job responsibilities, but things that, um, you know, they might be interested in is, imp- I think it's important and it, Continuous learning is where the world is going, and yeah. you spend an enormous amount of time at work. And so uh, we don't. It's not just knit, Zen knitting that we do. Um, in, we do intro to Japanese, intro to French, intro to Spanish. Um, uh, we do cooking. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is obviously a break um, from work, um, but it also brings people together from you know disparate parts of the organization. Um, they get to meet and, and again, you spend so much of your time at work. If, you know, a portion of that time can be used as part of sort of a larger, uh, continuous learning, we give fine, you know, finance classes for retirement, um, financing, things like, I mean, just a whole variety of different things, um, that I think we can provide again, um, for our employees to, to grow and to learn and to meet and to interact. Um, and so that's, that's sort of where Zen knitting falls in our okay. quote-unquote strategy. You do know what you're going to get from Christmas from a number of people that work at NetSuite now, don't you? A set of knitting needles and some wool. It's coming your way. Really? A place I near prefer, you. Like, I prefer a hat. No, well, you know like what you can do? You can take the wool and you can knit it. No, that's for you to learn. And then you can like uh-huh. post it on Instagram and we can all go like, yeah. yay. Like, you know. All right. So very last question. This is about daring to people that dare to think differently, act differently, do differently. What's your daring to, Evan? What's, what would you say? What, what are you daring to do? Either have done, are going to do or are doing right now. 
Well, my, you know, my, the, one of the most daring things I did as part of NetSuite was um, we have a company band. Actually, we have a couple of them. We have a couple company bands. And a couple years ago, I'm loving um, it. They had the just we we have a user conference with about ten thousand people, and it has a gala. And we were in Las Vegas, and they decided it would be a good idea um, to have the company band open for the main act, which was like ludicrous. <laughs> I want to be so there. I two songs on the drums. I'm a drummer. Oh. Um, that's my that's my Zen knitting is Zen drumming. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I had to play, um, a couple songs, one by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I love them. On the drums in front of something like 5,000 people. And that was definitely one of the most nervous I've ever been in my entire life. I bet that was harder than making the decision about what to do, either starting, um, NetSuite or, you know, deciding to go back to the Oracle fold. I bet you that playing that was much harder of a decision well, to make. Well, it is, it is funny <laughs> because, uh, um, there was one song, Creep by Radiohead. Yep. This was at another one of these um, performances um, that had a particular drum fill that was challenging, and I worked on it a ton. And when the song was over, and I nailed it. And when the song was over, the band leader, who's also our head of engineering, <laughs> said, uh, well, Evan worked harder on that drum solo than he did on his keynote address today. So, <laughs> well, look, it had the right I'm impact, right? <laughs> Uh, fabulous story what a great way to end so Evan if the people want to know more about NetSuite they want to know more about you um, how do they get in touch with you what you know website well, Twitter unsurprisingly, LinkedIn unsurprisingly they go to NetSuite.com and on LinkedIn will they find you on LinkedIn or they will they will find me on LinkedIn I forgot about that. yeah um, I don't generally use LinkedIn that much, so okay. I can't tell them exactly how to do it. But if you search for Evan Goldberg, there's at least a chance that you'll yeah, you're find, find him. If you search for me on Google, you'll find Seth Rogen's uh, writing partner for a bunch of his movies. He oh, cool. comes above me, which I'm very happy about. Wow. Well, if not, just look up drums, uh, Radiohead, and you're <laughs> bound to find him. Um, if you want to fa- thank you so much. It's been an, a, a fabulous podcast. I've learned so much. Um just from what the stories that you have shared and your journey, and I know our listeners will as well. Um, if you want to find out more about Dare Worldwide and what we do in terms of helping businesses from a transformation and technology perspective, then look us up on www.dareworldwide.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Rita underscore Trahan. And obviously, you can sign up and listen to um, Daring to Podcasts. So thank you very much. And look out, my second book is coming out next year, and you can always get the second edition of Unleashing Capacity because it's all about how do we unleash our inner capacity. So thank you very much, Evan. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great holiday and I can't wait to see that hat that you knit. <laughs> we'll see about that, but thanks, Rita, for having me. I really okay, take it. care. Thanks for listening. Enjoyed the conversation? Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes of Daring 2. Also, check out our website, dareworldwide.com, for some great resources around business in general, leadership, and how to bring about change. See you next time.